Good morning. morning. Hope you all have had a great day and a good week. And uh, one uh, visitor that we have back there, we didn't recognize. She came in a little bit late. Grace. Hello, Grace. How are you? Welcome, Grace. Good to have you here. All right. Grace has been coming on Wednesday nights, some to our prayer meeting, so uh, good to have her. By the way, August 24th, our men's Bible study will begin. Some of you have asked about that. And so uh, if you are an early riser, 7 a.m. on Wednesday mornings beginning August 24th, and we'll study the book of Malachi. Malachi. And uh, we have the study books in the office, and so we encourage you to come to that Bible study. All right, the book of Jonah. Today we come to Jonah chapter 3. I tell you, it's a wonderful thing to be in a Bible study and to encourage one another. And uh, as I look around today, we have a wonderful group, and uh, just good to be here to encourage one another. One thing we need to be encouraged in is that when you fail, failure is not final. We have a second chance God. God of a second chance. Now, some have claimed this title through the years, and the title is The Comeback Kid. We think about people in history that have called themselves the comeback kid. Let me go back to 1831. That's a long time ago, 1831. 1831, this guy failed in his business. 1832... He ran as a state legislator and was defeated. 1833, he thought he'd start a new business. He did, and it failed, went bankrupt. In 1835, his fiance died. 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. 1843, he ran for Congress again, and guess what? Got defeated again. 1848, he ran for Congress, same seat, got defeated again. 1855, he thought he'd run for the Senate and lost. 1856, he ran for the vice presidency and lost. 1859, ran for the Senate defeated again. 1860, he ran for president and was elected, Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? The comeback kid. Second chance. Well, for him, it was like about a number 10 or so or 11 chance. Maybe you remember years ago, there was a football quarterback. His name was Michael Vick. Michael Vick. Great quarterback. Did he play for Auburn? I was trying to remember where he played college. Where? Virginia Tech. That's right, Virginia Tech. Great 
quarterback, man, he could throw and he could run. He got in a little trouble. He had a bunch of dogs, that's right, had some pit bull dogs. And those pit bulls, he was having a fighting ring with those dogs. Got him in trouble, just about ended his career. Of course, Michael Vick went on to quarterback again, but he had 47 pit bull dogs, 47 of them. And I was thinking to myself, what happened to those 47 dogs? You know what happened to them? They went into retraining. True story. Those 47 dogs were retrained, and one of them ended up being a chemo dog. And so those dogs got a second chance. Isn't it amazing when we, when we look at the book of Jonah, we find a prophet who got a second chance. I want you to look in your Bible, and uh, Jonah chapter 3 is 10 verses. And I want to read just verse number 1 as we begin. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, God's word came a second time. So here is a stubborn, rebellious prophet. Uh, here is a guy that went the other way. You know the story. God said, go to Nineveh. He went to Tarshish, 2,000 miles the opposite direction. And yet we find that God was so persistent, that God was so determined that he would not let this prophet go. So God commanded a fish. We find this in chapter 1, verse 17. God appointed or commanded a fish. And the fish swallowed Jonah. And then after three days, we find in chapter 2, verse 10, that the fish regurgitate, whatever word you want to use, vomited Jonah up onto dry land. No, there's just not a good word for that, is there? Well, anyway, that fish spat Jonah up on dry land. And so then God sent his word the second time. The second time. Well, when it comes to God, God is so persistent. And many times it's not our ability, it's our availability. I was in the office last week in West Church came to me and he said, I've got a question for you. And it was a question about editing and about grammar and about, you know, producing something uh, uh, clerical. And so uh, he came to me and asked me the question and someone said, I didn't know that Richard was an expert on that. <laughs> Wes said, he's not, but he's available. <laughs> well, it's not our ability, it's our availability. I was talking to Jim earlier and went on a mission trip one time and we were building a fellowship hall up there in West Virginia. And so, you know, I stood back there and tried to be a supervisor, but whenever it got time to raise the wall, 
to raise up those stud walls and go, okay, preacher, come and get your hands on this. So I helped raise the wall and I cheered the guys on. We all have a spot because availability is what God is looking for, not just our ability. Well, we see this second chance God here in Jonah chapter 3. And so uh, I want us to look at three things that tell us that God is a second chance God. Number one, our God is a good God. A good God. Let's read uh, verses 2 through 4. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. A good God. When you read that, you might say, Boy, that doesn't sound like a good God. It sounds like a harsh God. But yet, God in His goodness... Now, listen to this. God in His goodness spared Jonah from the fish. That same God would spare the population of Nineveh because of His goodness. It's like you and I, we have been spared by the goodness of God. Now, Jonah's time in the fish was for a purpose. Salvation, transportation, recommissioning, and education. Now, let me just talk about that last one, education. How many times does God try to teach us a lesson and we don't learn it the first time, so guess what? we got to get the lesson again. And sometimes we get the lesson time and time and time again. God's up there going, I'll take you back to the school. And God has to do that because we are stubborn in our nature. Jonah is a different man following the fish. This God of a second chance was good. God extends mercy to His servants. We find this in verses 1 and 2. Now notice here the parallel. If you look at the command in verse 2, it says, Arise, go, proclaim. If you look in chapter 1, verse 2, Arise, go, and cry. It's virtually the same. You know one thing about God, God doesn't change His mind, does He? God is always consistent, always true. God does not change His mind. God does not change His world. We live in a changing world, but we have an unchanging God. We live in a time where the world is changing its standards, but we have a God who doesn't change His standards. God is always consistent in what He says. Now, past failures. Jonah, in his disobedience, got this 
second chance. I'm so glad for that in my life. Boy, I, I preached some sermons before and I said, boy, Lord, I'd like to have that one back. <laughs> I've, uh, I went and made hospital visits before and I, I, I'd say, Lord, I'd like to have that visit back. I remember years ago, I uh, went to see a, a person and, and I had a, a pastor with me, my, my pastor I grew up with, and, and it was the first time that I'd seen someone who had cancer and it was terminal. And I didn't know what to say. Man, I, I just walked in there and I was kind of stumbling around trying to find words. And this person in the bed looked up and said, well, there's no words to say. I'm terminal. And I said, boy, Lord, what do I say? But this wise pastor I was with, who had a lot of gray hair and a lot of wisdom, he stepped up and he said, honey, we're all terminal. We just don't know when. And I thought, Lord, thank you for a man of God who had a, a word and had some wisdom there in God, though, gives us a second chance in life. Well, God also extended His mercy to the sinners. You notice here in verse number 4, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. In the dialect that Jonah preached in, that was a five-word sermon. Forty days... Nineveh destroyed. It was a five-word sermon in that dialect. Now, I read that and I say, God, where is your mercy? Here's the mercy. Today, Nineveh will be destroyed. Did God say that? No, He didn't. He gave them 40 days. Wow, what a great God that is. God could have said, today I'm going to destroy Nineveh. But God said, you've got 40 days. 40 days of grace. Let me tell you, the best time to give your heart and life to Christ is the first day that the Spirit of God convicts you. That's the best day. But God in His grace gives us second chances. Why does He do that? Because He's a good God, benevolent. I, uh, I contemplate the goodness of God. And I, I think about the old gospel song, The Love of God. Oh, you know the, the song, wonderful hymn. If all the ocean were an inkwell, and every man was a scribe, to write the love of God would drain the ocean dry. Oh, man, listen, God's love is so great and so wonderful. God is a good God. Everything good and perfect in our life comes from the Lord. All right, number two. We also have a second chance God because our God is a great God. A great God. I want to read verses 5 through 9. Look here at verses 5 through 9. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, 
covered himself with sackcloth and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and let men call on God earnestly, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. A great God. You know, Jonah disappears in chapter 3. He really does. Nineveh is highlighted in chapter 3. The focus is not on Jonah. The focus is on the people. And I, I just want to tell you, God is always and forever in the people business. Let me tell you, the most important thing to God, it's not a building. It's not a budget. It's not a bus. <laughs> The most important thing to God is always the people. Jesus never died for anything else but people. And these people in Nineveh matter to God. And Jonah reappears in chapter 4, but in chapter 3 the focus is on people. i got a wonderful quote here from Billy Graham. Billy Graham one time said, I have found that when I present the simple message of the gospel of Jesus Christ with authority, quoting the very word of God, that the Holy Spirit takes that message and drives it supernaturally into the heart. Man, that's what God did with Jonah. Jonah preached the very word, the very message of God, and God supernaturally drove it into the hearts other people there, just like he does with Billy Graham. Now, Jonah's message, it was honored by the insignificant. Look at verse 5 again. Then the, what's the next word? People. The people. Not the high and mighty. <laughs> not, not the Wall Street gang. Just people. All kinds, all sorts of people. Man, I look around the room today and I find all kinds of people. I find some young folks, John and Amber over there, find some young folks. Find some older folks. Find some men with beautiful hair like old Ken down here, that pretty gray hair. Yeah, that's right. Some men with no hair. Gone to meddling. <laughs> Gone to meddling, though. I tell you. Freddie's getting on me up there. But isn't it great that we can read this text and say all the people of Nineveh had a chance to repent. Now, this word here in verse number 5 believed is the word in Hebrew aman from which we get the word amen 
A-M-A-N in Hebrew, we get the word amen from that. In other words, the people of Nineveh amen the preaching of Jonah, but they amen God. I remember the first Sunday I was here at First Baptist Church, I was sitting on my pew. <laughs> No, I got a pew. I'm, I'm over there by the death section, you know, my, my pew, I'm sitting there. Man, Dr. Estep got wound up, and, and uh, so he hit a point, and I said, that's right. Everybody around just kind of stared at me. <laughs> and he said, who is this guy? Well, that's, that's what they did. They heard the preaching and they believed. And that word again, believe, means they amened what God said. And they amen the preaching of Jonah. Well, also God should be honored by the important. You find in verses 6 through 9, the king got involved. The king. I don't know too much about her, but I heard a story on the radio that Theresa May, the new Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, confessed Christ as her Lord. And I thought, what a wonderful thing that is. She publicly said, I am a child of God. I am a Christian and my faith is in Christ. Isn't it good when, when a public official who is in a place of power says, Christ is Lord of my life. And so the king here said, We've got to repent. And everyone is to take off their robe. And they are to sit in sackcloth and ashes. Can you imagine if people came to church on a given Sunday? And the e-blast that week was, everybody come to church this Sunday with black soot all over your face. You barbecue or charcoal. I know we got the gas grills now. Years ago we had these little biscuit things. Black things. And can you imagine crumbling those up and everybody just sitting in those and cover themselves with that soot? That's what they did here. It was a sign of mourning over sin. It was a sign of repentance that they would sit in sackcloth and ashes. I remember one time my dad had a visible sign after barbecuing. He had those little black charcoal biscuits out there. My dad ran out of that fluid that you put on those things to light the, the coals. My dad had a thing of gasoline in the garage. <laughs> yeah, he had a bright idea. He threw gasoline on them babies. Threw a match in there. It was 10 years before my dad had eyebrows. <laughs> Kaboom! Blew them right up. Well, what, what is the visible sign today? Well, it's, it's not ashes all over your body, but the visible sign today is a changed life. We don't 
say the language of the world. We don't go to the places that we used to go. Years ago, the Cathedral Quartet had a song called Thanks to Calvary. Yeah, thanks to Calvary, I, I don't go to those places I used to go. Thanks to Calvary, my child has a brand new daddy. Thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man I used to be. Man, that's a sign today. God's, God's changed you. God's made you something new. God's given you a new name. Did you know that? You got a new name when you got saved. When you get to heaven, you're going to find out what it is. But God gave you a, a new name. God wrote your name down in the book of life, didn't He? God covered all your sin, justified you. God looks at you just as if you had never sinned. You're covered in the shed blood of the Lamb. Oh, God's buried your sin in the deepest hole. God's covered you with all of His righteousness. What a great and wonderful Savior we have. Well, we find that Nineveh saw this great God in His pardon. Let me move on. Number three today, third and last. We have a second chance God not only because of His goodness and His greatness, but number three, our God is a gracious God. Gracious God. And that's really just one verse. Look at chapter 3, verse 10, that one verse. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which He had declared He would bring upon them. And He did not do it. Did God repent? Did God change His mind? Well, God declared long time ago that the people would repent. God would go a different direction. And that's the truth. When God's people repent, they can have the grace of God. When we don't repent, we'll have something else from God. God, in His grace, relented. God requires repentance from sin. They turned, not God. God responds to repentance from sin in grace. You know what grace is? Grace is the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. How many... Sins does it take to make you a sinner? Just one. How many sins do you have to commit to go to hell? Just one. And so, the first time we sin, we need a Savior because we need grace. God's hand of judgment was withdrawn but was withdrawn temporarily. The next generation in Nineveh sinned and were destroyed. I want you to look in your Bible to Matthew chapter 12, verse 41. Matthew 12, 41. While you're finding that, I want to comment on this next generation. We'll find that in chapter 4 there was this great revival that took place. 
And the people of Nineveh got a second chance here with Jonah. But that next generation sinned. The Babylonian Empire was allowed to come in and destroy them. But the generation that Jonah preached to, Jesus said this about them. Matthew 12, 41. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Here's what Jesus said. Generation that He came to. Remember, He came unto His own and His own received Him not. Jesus said, those that Jonah preached to, that generation is going to stand in judgment because they heard the Word of God and they repented. You have not. What about us? Do you think one day in the future when a nation stands before God in judgment that the people of Nineveh can condemn us because we've heard the word of God and our nation has not repented. Sobering thought, isn't it? But today, right now, we have a second chance God. God of a second chance. Why? Because of His goodness. Why? Because of His greatness. Because of His graciousness. I like the quote by Charles Finney. Charles Finney, the great evangelist, said these words. It is the great business on earth of every Christian to save souls. Now, if you are thus neglecting the main business of life, what are you living for? Wow. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You today for the very Word of God. Father, that declares to us You are a God of a second chance. Father, I thank You for Your Word today that has been so clear. God, the people of Nineveh repented. And thus, God, You relented. Father, I know today that because You are a second chance God, Lord, if we'll repent and turn to You, You'll spare us. Not just from an eternal hell, but Lord, You'll spare us from a tragedy of a wasted life. Lord, we love You today. And Father, I thank You for this precious Word. And now, Father, as we go to worship You, may You bless that part too. In Jesus' name, Amen. Y'all have a great day.